Wow, there we go. We have no monitor and no headphones. Yay! Welcome. You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast in Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Okay, this is episode 41, and yay, I have a guest in the studio. Welcome back, Dolores. Hi, Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. And so, how has life under COVID been for you? Well, at first, uh, after the initial shock of kind of living from one day to the next in a surreal situation where we, you know, we were not supposed to see each other, touch each other, like it, it was a shock. But after a while, I kind of thought, oh my God, well, I must say we're blessed here because we yes, have we gardens are. and we can sa- safely distance from each other and things like that. And uh, but but uh, you know I really have enjoyed not having to do many things. Like um, my life yeah. is more on the moment <laughs> rather than planning. Pla- tons you know, I got to be here. I got to yeah, be there. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. and that's something that I had been thinking about for a long time. I really want to be just in the moment. Just whatever's happening in the moment, I'll do. Right. And and yeah. this has given a lot of people the opportunity to do that. Yeah. That is very yeah. true. That is very true. So and, and what you've described, just from an astrological point of view, that's um, that's a Saturn in Aquarius thing, right? limitations social limitations Mm -hmm. right and so there is an upside to that Mm -hmm. or we're not madly dashing off in 47 directions yeah because we've got too much going on yes we can especially Mm -hmm. in today's (laughs) society Mm -hmm. so we're still trying to sort out mics here but anyway okay so on the show today i was supposed to do Uh, or I was going to do another anonymous chart and this lady wanted me to look at her chart from the point of view of if she would travel again. And so she sent me her data and um, unfortunately all she had was an approximate birth time. Okay, so I thought to myself, Ooh, this could be a teaching moment. Yay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what we're going to do is um, we're going to take an exploration into the technique called rectification. Okay, what is that, you may ask? Many people, obviously, do not have their birth time information. And without that, an astrologer can be very limited in what they can look at. When I am in first contact with a client, that's one of my very first questions, um, because if they don't have a birth time, then I have a to-do list for them. Okay, and the to-do list kind of goes as follows. Okay, so the easiest way, obviously, is to check a baby book, a family Bible, newspaper clippings, and you can even go to your library to get newspaper I mean, they used to be on those. The birth site. Yeah, yeah, they used to, yeah, because the, news, the newspapers would make those announcements. Or if that's not working, then you can get the long form in Canada. What you want is the long form of your birth certificate. And when I Googled that, there are a number of sites, but this one sounded like the best. 
CanadaCertificates.com and it had a link for each of the provinces and who you would have to contact. The big surprise is mothers are not very reliable. Okay, now you're a mom yourself, so, mm -hmm. you know, if someone... Do you remember the time of your children's birth or child's birth? Yes, I do, because... Oh. <laughs> okay, so she's she's unusual. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I was in the hospital, and, I, and the clock was sitting right in front of me, too. Oh, like, like perfect. <laughs> right on. Okay, well, lots of times they're too busy, too upset, too happy, too whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, but... Um, if your mom is the source you're going to go to, what I suggest is the following strategy. Start by asking a story like, when did you go into labor? Who took you to the hospital? Who was at home? Other children? Who took care of them? With a story will come a better chance of a time from her. Or you can ask other people involved in the story. Best case scenario is you narrow it down the time range to two hours. That is the time range that is reasonable for rectification from an astrologer. So the why of two hours is, okay, so during the course of 24 hours, every sign will come up onto the ascendant, okay? Now, because the earth is tilted, I believe this is the reason, I'm not an astronomer, I'm an astrologer. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it usually takes two hours, okay, there's 12 signs, so 12 goes into 24 two times. So in theory, every two hours, there should be a different sign on the ascendant as mm -hmm. it works around. But unfortunately, what is also true is because of the tilt of the earth, there are fast ascensions and slow ascensions. So sometimes a sign will be on the ascendant for a lot longer than just two hours. And then conversely, there'll be a sign that's really short. Anyway, but two hours, most astrologers, okay, I can work with two hours. Now, suppose your birth mother and any other options just aren't going to work. You know, you were adopted, who knows. Okay, so the other way that I've had good results, and this is me just personally, is when I've asked folks to go to uh, a naturopath who practices reflexology. I believe that's what it's called. And it's muscle testing. So basically, they use it to test for allergies, right? You know, is mm -hmm. a person going to, you know, have problems with salt or sugar or whatever. Um, instead, you ask the body for what time it was born. And like I say, I have had good results with that. But let's say we do have um, a birth approximate thing, or the person does come in with a birth time. Um, I typically, at the start of a re reading, if I have suspicion, in other words, very few people are born right on the hour. Oh, I was born at five o'clock. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably, <laughs> you know, probably two or three minutes either way. So I will ask a question using the same process that I'm going to outline today because I can see when major planets are going to trigger on the angles, okay? And the angles, what I'm talking about here is the first house, the fourth house, the seventh, and the tenth. There are anything that is important, or not important, but any major incident that's occurred in a person's life will trigger something 
one of those angles, right? Uh And so you can quickly ask by looking at the chart and seeing where the big planets are, you know, like I can scan it. And so let's look at, uh, do I have a different chart here? No, I don't. We just have the one that we're going to work with. So for instance, in, um, let me just move the mic with me. Okay, so in this chart, I'm showing Dolores the chart. These charts are up on the website. So that's the planet Pluto. Okay, it's at 24 degrees. So no, those will be different. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so at, um, in a few years time, because Pluto is slow moving, it will cross this ascendant, right? Mm -hmm. And that will be notable, right? You can't have Pluto, Neptune you can miss, Uranus and Pluto you're not going to miss. When they go over your ascendant, you're going to notice. But wouldn't you uh, feel it like uh, sometime before? Okay, so when you're asking someone about big events, no, it's the actual big event. If you were to, once they name what it is, and mm-hmm. if they're of an age, right, mm-hmm. like a four-year-old's not going to, no. Uh-huh. They're just, you know, the person will say, oh, my brother died, or mm. my father left, or, you know, we moved, or I went to the hospital because I had a serious injury or illness, yada, 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 first house. house first house is about the person, mm-hmm. their physical beingness, mm-hmm. right? And so, but what you're saying is is also true in the sense that once we get old enough, so let's say you're in your 30s when Pluto crosses the ascendant. Oh yeah, you're going to feel it coming. You're going to, unless you're an astrologer, you're not going to necessarily note Mm -hmm. that the event that happened a few years later was connected to that early intensity, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so it's not uncommon, for instance, for a person to start being... Uh, not happy in a relationship mm-hmm. years before they actually leave, mm-hmm. right? You know, so yeah, in retrospect, mm-hmm. you can say that. And when people come in, I some years ago um, when I was practicing, Pluto was the one that people would come in early because they could feel that something was going on. But there was usually they'd already had one hit. And, of course, the downside of coming to see an astrologer is I would go, darn, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is going to last for another two years. They were not always happy to hear that, Mm -hmm. right? But I would have been remiss if I had said, oh, yeah, no, it's all done. You're good to go. No. Sometimes they would come after the second hit going, okay, somebody tell me this is over, Mm -hmm. right? And I'd be like, oh, no, there's one more. Right, because a Pluto transit can take upwards of two years. Now, mm-hmm. if you were born, like Pluto takes 248 years. Mm-hmm. So if you were born when Pluto was going through Taurus, it could last five to 10 years. Because mm-hmm. it's a very elliptical mm-hmm. orbit. Yeah. And so when it went through Scorpio, did mm-hmm. that in 12 years. Mm-hmm. When it goes through Taurus, I don't know, it's 30, 40, 50 mm-hmm. years. Oh, that's yeah. true. Also, yeah. anybody was <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. So none of us alive today are going to experience that because Pluto is only in Capricorn. You know, that right? that makes sense when they say that uh, things come in threes. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, yeah. if, you, yeah. if you're going to have a hard time, you usually get hit 
three times. Two or three yeah. times. Uh, three and, time. Yeah, exactly. It's because that, that it back keeps ricocheting, kind of yeah, like exactly. uh, coming back. So there's the first hit, which is the drive-by. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I call it. The first hit is the drive-by. The second hit is you're going to be wanting to seriously work on whatever the issue is. Look at it. And yeah. yeah, and mm -hmm. do and begin to do something. Mm -hmm. um, the third hit is, oh, you know that little piece that you thought you could just avoid and not bother with? And mm -hmm. No, the it's third hit is, wrong. no, you have to do it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the way I normally couch it. Anyway, back to rectification. Good, good sidebar. Thank you for being here. <laughs> okay, so, um, so yeah, we wanna bring it down to two hours in rising because that's doable. If you have 24 hours, yeah, it's, there are some reasons, but it's a gong show. Anyway, so now suppose you're, um, right, I already did that reflexology. I need to move on to my next piece of paper. Okay, so. We're, we want to work in my old methodology. I focused on the big outer planets and where they are. And so, you know, like currently for a child being born now, the outer planets, Uranus is in Taurus, Pluto is in Capricorn. And so I would look at where those planets, um, given the sign that they were in when you were born, when they are going to come possibly up to an angle. Okay, so in the chart that we have, let me just give you the data. She was born August 15th, 1954. So Pluto is in Leo and Uranus was in Cancer. And what she was told was, I think early morning, do not know the exact time. So early morning, hmm. Well, that could mean a lot of different things. But so the the time bracket that I first started off with was because there would have been twilight at just starting, you know, the sky would have started to brighten at four. Um, the sun didn't actually rise until six something. I do have that on here. Let's see now. 627. Um, and so I'm thinking early morning. So four might be too early. Um, seven is probably going to be way too late, but that was where I started, mm -hmm. right? And so I want to be able to narrow it down to that two hours. Okay, so what I do is, and I've put them up on the website, there are, I think I've only got three of the charts though. So I did a chart for 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and 7 a.m. And what you see right away is that we're likely going to end up with a Leo rising, because that's the one that sort of is definitely bracketed within that time frame. Um, I do know this person, and so I mean, I could for, I could jump to that conclusion right away. But there was something that I wasn't quite happy with when I thought about Leo rising, and the reason is because of my second method. But we'll get to that. So, if we're looking at that time frame, what I want to see is when will either Uranus or Pluto cross an angle. Now, because it's daytime, those two outer planets were very close to the rising time, right? And mm. so that's the angle that they're going to go over at some point when she was young. If she was born um, before, like, or, okay, so let me say this correctly. If she was born at seven, 
then both Uranus and Pluto would eventually go over her uh, ascendant, uh, right? But true. if she was born at four, Pluto won't because be Pluto's open. past mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. right? And so only Uranus would go over the ascendant. So mm -hmm. the my very first um, check is going to be literally about the birth story, okay? Mm -hmm. So if it's really late, closer to seven, the Pluto story is going to sound different than the Uranus story. Mm -hmm. And the difference between Uranus and Pluto, Uranus is short, sharp, and shock. Mm -hmm. Whereas Pluto is deep, intense, and profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in her telling me what she knows of her birth story, I should be able to eliminate Pluto more than likely, because that's quite late. You wouldn't say 7 a.m. is early morning. I mean, typically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It would not be so early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh. So it could be. But my suspicion is, is we're going to be talking about either the Cancer rising or the Leo mm -hmm. rising. Yeah. So if she says, well, you know, there wasn't really anything shocking um, when I was little then that would take this early time right off and mm -hmm. we would definitely be in the leo range okay okay so if i'll just give you an example of and i'm just basically doing this off the cuff now i've totally left my notes behind did you already <laughs> ask her the questions no actually i haven't so she's listening to this too, mm -hmm. and she'll know that those are the questions I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Okay, but let's look at what would happen if the two-hour time frame was different. So, and I did write this down uh, because I wanted to give people an example of it. Let me just get to... Okay, yeah, so... Um, okay... Where did I write this? Oh, I can't believe I did this. Okay, I'm going to have to just follow back with my notes. Otherwise, I am going to get terribly lost, and that's not good. Okay. Uh, okay, so I have six charts. Uh, very late Cancer rising to very early Virgo rising. Okay, the outer planets will have a direct hit to a possible angle that can make my work short and sweet. Here is the first philosophical moment, and that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. So this very process of doing rectification kind of points to the one basic thing that astrology can do. You can look at your chart, and you can see when it's going to go up, when it's going to go down, when it's going to go sideways, right? Because you can. Yeah, and that, know, that even starts with a child's chart, which most, like I, I rarely, unless I was specifically asked, would I ever say to a parent, oh, and by the way, when he's 10 years old, you know, life is going to hit a nosedive. It's not going to be pretty. One of yous are likely going to leave, blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't go there, no. right? But that doesn't mean to say that the chart doesn't already say that, because mm -hmm. it does. Mm -hmm. The act of doing rectification and, and when it works, and it does work, um, is you realize, right, you know, when people have Uranus go over an ascendant or Pluto go through the fourth house or whatever, people notice those things, mm -hmm. right? And so 
when I first ask someone if I'm questionable about the time and they go, oh, well, no, but it did happen and they say either a couple of years before or a couple of years after, that's a minor adjustment mm-hmm. to the time. Mm. Right? Okay. Yeah. So and, and, imp- and important for future timing. Does a few minutes oh, yeah. make a big difference? Yes, Because uh, they say I was born at 6 in the morning, so yeah, it's, it's very possible that there's a few exactly. minutes here and there, right? Exactly. So here's the, the short and dirty rule of thumb. For every four minutes on the midheaven, so if you were born at, what time did you say, six? Six in the morning. Okay, so if you were born at 6.04, then the midheaven would have moved a degree. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. so every, for every four minutes, but that in terms of timing, that can be a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a year later for something to happen mm-hmm. or a year earlier for something to happen. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're talking about direct hits. Yeah. Right? Not squares, oppositions, mm-hmm. or anything, but when a planet actually hits the degree. Because yeah. uh, yeah. Uranus passed by by my ascendant, l- like, uh, is uh, there's 10 degrees, like, the Uranus was 10 degrees before my ascendant when I was born. Yeah. So and so, okay, so I said to the MC, and the reason why I said that is because I would have to look at your chart and see if you had a fast ascension or a slow ascension. Because remember, the I said that, okay, oh within right, a yeah, 24 yeah. Mm-hmm. hours, mm-hmm. the ascendant degree will go through all t- 12 right. signs. But some, it will go through faster and some it will go through mm-hmm. slower. So mm-hmm. you actually have to look at the chart. Depends on the latitude that you were born. Like if you're born right on the equator, it's pretty much two hours, two hours, two hours. Because mm-hmm. the tilt has yeah. no bearing oh on right, that. Right. But if you're born... I'm closer to the equator. Yeah, than so yeah. yours might work out closer to every two hours. Oh and right. so therefore, the four minute per degree might work out on the ascendant as well. But it mm-hmm. always works out on the MC and... I can't give you the mathematical reason Why? for that, mm-hmm. right? But yes, you we could check that. One and then time. you can, mm-hmm. literally what you're doing is you're just dialing it mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. right? You know, which can be useful if you want precise timing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with this case, though, Pluto is right next to her son. So if she is born with an early Leo rising, Pluto will never cross the ascendant. Because the ascendant is earlier, it also means this is a night chart, which will make a difference with my second type of methodology. But in my first, you know, when I was first doing this, I wasn't looking at sect. Okay, so, and the difference between, like I say, a Pluto crossing your ascendant and Uranus is very different, Mm -hmm. right? The feel of it, everything. So, Mm -hmm. again, her birth story would let us know that. Now... One of the questions you might be asking is, um, you know, why am I focused on the ascendant? Well, that's only because Pluto and Uranus are close to the ascendant at, on that day in August, that's where they were. But if some, if she had, her mom had said, oh no, you were born around noon, okay, then that would put Leo up by the midheaven. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I'd be asking questions about those two planets hitting the midheaven. Mm-hmm. If she was born near sunset, it would be to the seventh house. Here's the tricky one. 
if a person is born around midnight, uh, you literally have two days. Oh, right? You, uh. Yeah, and that's a gong show. Um, that's the one I don't want to hear. Oh, yeah, my mom thinks I was born just after midnight. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> okay, are we sure it was after midnight on that day or just before midnight on the same day? You know, like there's yeah, that. Because yeah. the chart looks very similar at both ends. Uh -huh. Right? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, no. <laughs> so what you hope for, because the other indicator that changes is of course the moon mm -hmm. every approximately and again it depends on the year uh, or the day not the year uh, the moon moves approximately two point or it moves through a sign 2.5 days. days yeah mm -hmm. approximately sometimes mm -hmm. faster sometimes slower so you hope that when you see the chart that oh look the moon's going to change signs in those two hours mm -hmm. well then it, it again it gets a whole lot easier because they're either one moon type or they're the other moon type. Right. Right? You know, so that makes it easy. Okay, so first we will we would eliminate it's either Uranus or Pluto. Pluto's likely going to be the one that goes off the table. And so that 7 a.m. is likely going to come out. And so we're going to be looking at either really early in the morning, 4 a.m., and Cancer rising, or more likely it's going to be Leo. Okay. Now... Uh, okay, so to demonstrate, yeah, we already just talked about that. So in my new methodology, though, from the ancients, then the Hellenistic model, I have a whole lot more to work with, and they are called whole sign houses. Now, the whole sign houses, we could eliminate sign possibilities really quickly. And how do we do that? The placement of the steersman in a chart will show where life has been focused for this client. If our example is Leo rising, the sun is the steersman and life has her focusing on herself, how she presents herself, this is what fires her up. If it was the moon, Cancer rising as the steersman, um, this changes the... Um, the presentation style but in a subtle way because with cancer rising she's born with no skin and cancer people rarely actually come across as being that sensitive no they put on a really thick armor and mm. with her she would have uranus and jupiter in cancer in the first this would be a big personality kind of like the leo like, because Leo mm -hmm. would be definitely big, right? Mm -hmm. Hear me, see me, yada, yada. Yeah. But that also is echoed here. And I actually know this client. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I went with 4 a.m. as a starting point rather than just starting, you know, early morning thinking, you know, 6 to 8 or something mm -hmm. is because I don't see her as a Leo rising. Um, I see her as a cancer. Mm -hmm. And part of that has to do with the work that she did i don't know her whole history i only i've only met her in the last couple of years um, so i'll be interested again i have to keep an open mind just because that's what i think doesn't mean that's what's true <laughs> right, right yeah but there you have so was her life focused on first house me and my presentation okay mm -hmm. or was it cancer which would put 
um, the moon up here in the ninth, which is on uh, spirituality, philosophy, the occult, and travel, which mm. is what her question mm. was about. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I, I'm leaning for the really early 4 a.m., but mm -hmm. again, we have to go a little farther. Okay. She's, she's so concerned about travel, you'd think that uh, that moon would yeah. be. Yeah, mm -hmm. moon in the ninth house. Mm -hmm. And again, that's um, using whole sign houses is, can, I'm suspecting, make the whole rectification process way simpler. Okay, mm -hmm. let me just go back to my notes here. Mm -hmm. Okay, the other thing that um, whole sign, the whole Hellenistic thing, is it has to do with who's going to be the worst malefic. And in a chart around either sunset or sunrise, we have a change in malefic status. A daytime chart has Mars being the difficult one, which is what I have, for instance. Mm -hmm. I have a wicked temper that, that <laughs> I still, and I'm, you know, in my 60s now, still struggling to not wound people with it. So, in other words, your malefic that is not of the sect in favor is something you will do battle with your entire life. Mm -hmm. Whereas the malefic that is of the sect in favor, which for me in a day chart, and this is true for everybody. So if you have a day chart, you know, Mars is gonna be your nemesis. If you have a night chart, Saturn is gonna be your nemesis. Okay, mm -hmm. so again, a series of questions to ask the client you know, which has been harder. And so the chart will tell us where that problem is. Okay, so what I did is I cast two charts because I'm thinking, okay, so I'm liking the cancer, but again, I can't get attached to that. <laughs> well, the cancer also has the, the moon in the ninth house. Right? Yes, so exactly. Okay, so here are two charts that are one minute apart. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have, let's go this way. So we have one at 410, okay, and one at 411. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, um, she is peering away from the mic, <laughs> is what I'm doing. Oh. Okay. So both of, both of these would be night charts. Okay, the sun is definitely below the horizon. So the question is, is Saturn, and nope, Saturn is, yeah. So is Saturn in the fifth house or in the fourth house? So that's one of the questions. Um, the moon stays, uh, no, the moon shifts from, um, the eighth house from the ninth house, mm -hmm. right? Oh, wow. So this is the kind of chart comparison, they're quite a bit different, that can help to show people that yes, in a uh, twins, for instance, a mm. couple of minutes can make a huge change, mm -hmm. right? But only in this Hellenistic system, in the more modern systems, quadrant house, it's not going to make, it can be difficult to see a difference. But mm -hmm. here, so in this one um, at 411, we have the MC is now in the ninth house. Mm -hmm. So that means she's motivated and as seen as a traveler. Okay, the moon is in the eighth house, which means she deals with 
um, death taxes and legalities and all of that kind of stuff. Her Saturn is in the fourth, which would tell us that her the challenges that she faced as a child in her home is, or in her birth scenario are with her for her whole life. They don't go away. It mm -hmm. would be nice if they did, but they don't um, because Saturn is the malefic that is not of the sect in favor. And so it's the tough one. Or in the fifth, Saturn would be if she's had uh, responsibilities with children. Yeah, I this one could also mean a child's death, too, mm. or not having any not children. Not having kids. Yeah. And so those two questions, you know, um, is your family of origin, the, the stuff that was going on there, does it still come? Are you still having to deal with it? Have you been dealing with it your whole life? That would be fourth house. Mm -hmm. Or... Are you challenged by your children and things that have happened with them, um, et cetera? Mm -hmm. you know, and do they still pose a problem that is likely, unfortunately, to ever go away? Mm -hmm. Again, it's the malefic. So also with Mars, okay, so with Mars in the fifth and not in the sixth, so that would mean her children were just a, a source of a activity. lot of activity, <laughs> but not necessarily a problem, although the ruler is in the 12th, so one of them could have been ill or end up in jail or, yeah. Um, but they, it would have been doable, right? Children mm -hmm. would have been doable, not a big deal. Well, mm -hmm. at times it would have been a challenge. Mm -hmm. This also, because Mars is in Sag, motivated to travel the MC is now in the ninth house of travel so this one works okay mm -hmm. and that is a Leo rising um, it's just I don't see her as being that self-absorbed right mm -hmm. yeah that yeah, that was my only thing when I Leo is yeah there. yeah because Leo can be but again I can't Especially get attached to the, the moon in Leo the, the, the sun, sun in Leo yeah exactly so lots of questions to, to well, most of all, what I'm going to be asking for her to do is to give me, you know, the thumbnail of her birth, you know, first two years of her life. If there was nothing happened, then that narrows the time frame down. Mm -hmm. Okay, then I start asking these other questions mm -hmm. that we've been going through. Now, I made a graphic to show just how some of, and this is up on the website if people want to look at it. And so with the MC changing, right, so it's in the 10th house at 410, it's in the 9th house in 411. So the difference here is also this is Aries and this is Taurus. Okay, mm -hmm. so uh, I know she likes to be creative, but is she known out there? Has she been known through her lifetime for her creativity? If that's the case, okay, and travel was secondary, then we would go for the later time. Taurus, yeah. yeah. If she was known more for her travel, right, moon in ninth now, and uh, the MC in Aries in the 10th, then, yeah, then we would go with the earlier time. Mm. So you can see how just that variation changes. And so in my graphic, what I've got here is, so the Leo ascendant started at 411. Um, it doesn't go into Virgo until 657. Okay, so you kind of, you kind of make notes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, it's, and it's interesting. Um, 
when I first got into astrology, there were people who this was the only thing they did was chart rectification, and it could cost you a couple of hundred dollars to get it done. Oh yeah, and you know, just in the like, I've spent probably six hours at this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's. The process is important in terms of understanding astrology. It, it's also important in realizing that the chart has to reflect the events in a person's life. Mm -hmm. If the time is not correct, then it won't, mm -hmm. right? When the time is correct, it does. And so, you know, the implications for that, of course, are that, you know, when you look at a baby's chart, you go, Oh dear, because <laughs> the first thing I always look at is will they have significant direct hits from the outer planets? Now that's the old style. Uh -huh. So for instance, in this girl's chart, okay, did Pluto ever come around to get to her moon? Probably not. She won't live long enough, mm -hmm. right? But and Pluto will never conjoin her sun because mm -hmm. it's already passed. Mm -hmm. But it would have done this Venus. to Venus, it would have conjoined Saturn, it would have conjoined Mars. And so you can start to see when those big square, impacts. It could square yeah. the sun. Well, and it will also square the moon, like mm -hmm. when it was in, well, not when it was in Scorpio, when it was in Sag, it would have mm -hmm. squared the moon. But squares and oppositions are a whole different order mm -hmm. than the conjunction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so some people will never get direct hits. A, they didn't live long enough, or B, the outer planets are just too far away from where they are. They won't live long enough, mm -hmm. you know. I envy those people. I've had Pluto go over everything. Oh. Won't go over my ascendant, though. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I wonder if you can predict somebody's death by... by um, you know, there are, the ancients apparently were quite uh, into doing that, mm -hmm. right? You know, because they were, um, a, there were a lot of court astrologers. So, of course, the emperor, the king, or whatever. Yeah, but if you told him he was going to die soon, you might die soon. Well, and, and, <laughs> and there are records of that very thing happening, right? If you predicted something that the emperor didn't like, you know. <laughs> Um, I, and I guess there is there is even one story where the emperor said, so what does your chart say for today? <laughs> Just so that, you Am know. I gonna, yeah. I'm going to live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, well, that must mean you're going to say something nice about me. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, exactly. So that that was literally a phenomena. Oh, God. Um, what, they, what you can tell from a chart um, is the conditions um, in your old age, which is your fourth house, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you have a malefic in your fourth house, then you're going to want to be pretty prepared for your old age because it could be tough, right? Uh -huh. um, if you've got a benefic there, it's probably going to be easy, that type of thing. You can also tell from the chart um, the status of ongoing health. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you look at the condition of the ascendant, the ruler of the ascendant, um, if there's going to be issues. So, for instance, in this, if she has the Leo rising and the sun is in the first house, then that's really robust health. Right. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah, because the sun likes like to be in the first house. Mm -hmm. 
And so the other so thing... So any first house or just uh, Sun it and Leo? Ag again, like if you've got, uh, for instance, one of our uh, compatriots in our astrology study group, Joanne, she has Mars in the first house. Oh. She's slightly prone to accidents. Yeah. Chuckle, chuckle. Right, mm -hmm. Joanne? <laughs> right? And so... Uh -huh. Um, Mars gives great vitality, but mm -hmm. it also can cause problems. Yeah, because you, yeah. you yeah. act before you think. Maybe, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so mm -hmm. that could be, you know, if you've got, if you're, um, let's say you're a, um, a night chart and um, Saturn is your malefic and it's in your mm -hmm. first house, you're going to have problems with your bones, your skeletal system. Mm -hmm. um, and Saturn being a malefic, you're going to be challenged with that pretty much your whole life. Right. Um, if uh, if it's Jupiter in the first, you know, you could mm -hmm. suffer from overweight, from being too self-indulgent. Right. Yeah, so it depends. And then mm -hmm. it depends on where. So, for instance, let's say, you know, you have Sag rising and your Jupiter is conjunct Saturn in, um, let's say, Capricorn. OK, so problems with your bones um, and then you'd have to add the word over now medical astrology is not something that I am up on to mm -hmm. any great degree mm -hmm. but that's how you would go about the process right the second factor to health of course is the sixth house and I would say the third factor will be the presence of the moon what the moon is doing and if it's afflicted right does uh, somebody's Jupiter in the sixth house would denote good health probably um it could yeah yeah mm -hmm. totally sixth house jupiter because remember not only is the sixth house health it's also where people will be of service uh -huh. right so jupiter in the sixth these are volunteers add yeah just add plus 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 to mm -hmm. it right they're generous in their volunteering sometimes they're paid sometimes they're not mm -hmm. but yeah yeah and yes, it could be good health. I mean, it is a benefic, but again, is it the benefic of the sect in favor? So Jupiter is really happy if it's a day chart. Not not as happy, okay? And then it depends on what sign it's in. Mm -hmm. So if you put Jupiter in Gemini in the sixth house, Jupiter's in its fall in Gemini because it okay. rules Sag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that could indicate problems with the nerves, right mm -hmm. an air sign um, and the nerves get over amped way too quickly mm. right you know so you could be looking at with I'm guessing here but that might be a signature for something like Parkinson's right mm -hmm. you know because mm -hmm. the nerve the Jupiter is not happy it's in Gemini in Aquarius I'm not sure yeah yeah but yeah, uh, yeah. so and and like I say there are folks that that's what they do Mm -hmm. You know, they've the taken medical. this and they've just focused solely mm -hmm. from that point of view. That has not been my shtick. No. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Very interesting. And I went totally off script, but I'm going to have to come back to on script. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for yes. what's coming up. So, a preview of August. Um, one of the things that we have been dealing with is in the month of July and fortunately today is the last day although the new moon no the full moon on Monday kind of still has a piece of this in there we've been dealing with uh, Mars Mercury have been in a in a loose square and a tight square all month long so this is 
Mars who? Mars and Mercury, squaring oh, each other. Okay. Mars is in Aries. Okay. Yeah, Mercury's been in Cancer, oh. so not good, not good. Okay. You know, it's violent, violent verbal confrontations. Oh, and we've seen a few of those. Yeah, like oh, that, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, very, very yeah. yeah. So bonus point for August is that those two are separating. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So, as an overall statement, what I've heard on um, the various um, webcasts that I've listened to on other astrologers talking about the month of August is that it will be easier than July, but easier with a little cautionary note September is not pretty mm. so what you want to do is tank up on some good vibrations <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in August so that you'll be ready for the September gong show what uh, what is going on in September like um, okay so uh, for those who have listened to the podcast before, uh, I have uh, talked quite a bit about this. Mm, okay. okay, Mars is entered Aries approximately at the beginning of July. Okay. It will stay in Aries until January. Oh, okay. Mars and Aries, it's gasoline mm, on anything, mm -hmm. and there is no compassion involved. There is no force you know there's no thinking before you act mm. no mm. so it's a really um intense kind of energy that's flooding and it's going to be doing it for close to six months yes oh yeah no this is this is this is especially mm. for our neighbors to the south this yes. is not good this is well i mean and i'm only saying good bad because of the level of violence that's already brewing down there. I know. And they have an election. Oh my God. Yeah. No, no. It, this, it's oh. not good. It's oh. not good. It's not good. Um, oh my yeah. Goodness. And on a, on a personal level, one needs to be able, well, one A needs to know where Aries is in their chart. Okay. Um, and know that um, there's a lot of energy running through that particular part of your life. Uh, so, for instance, if it's health, overheating, anything to do with, you know, like the sixth house, uh, overworked, mm -hmm. right? You know, literal burnout, sixth house, mm -hmm. right? Uh, for instance, um, you know, if it's eighth house, uh, you could burn through somebody else's money and end up in a lot of problems with a lot, lot of problems of with it, you know. <laughs> um, let's see now, ninth house, you could get up on your soapbox and burn people, right, with your Aries. your your opinions and your you know I have the way, the truth, and the light, right? Mm -hmm. uh, tenth house with Aries there. Um, you want a forest fire that you can work on. <laughs> that would be perfect, right? You've got the you got the drive to do something. Or I think mine is in the tenth house. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got a cause, there's going to be a lot of energy towards mm -hmm. that. But also know that because it's so big that you could get pushback, mm -hmm. right, and get mm -hmm. scorched yourself, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. Okay, but August is a little quieter, yay. And we get two shifts that are important. One is Venus. Now, Venus has been in Gemini uh, since April the 3rd, 
So it's been redoing our contacts. And if you think about it, prior to the shutdown, we all had these social Gemini style connections, mm -hmm. the lockdown, and none of us really know <laughs> what connections are going to come back. Are we going to have our social groups? Are we not going to have our social, you know? And so Gem Venus is finally going to leave this week and move into Cancer. And so um, we're going to notice that shift. And my suspicion is is we're all going to be seeking out groups and so social connections that are that are nurturing, right? It's going into Cancer. Mm -hmm. Now the other one that's changing energy is Mercury. Now, Mercury has been in Cancer for two months, okay, and so it's going to switch into Leo. So there's going to be an element of playfulness to go with that Leo Moon. That's good. But the biggest one is, you know, no longer Mercury Mars. Okay, I've got nine minutes. So, Dolores, I am going to blast through my dailies. Sure. All righty. Okay, so today, Moon is in Capricorn all day, asking us to pay attention to our social responsibilities. Not such a simple task in a world of COVID spiking again. Mercury in Cancer chimes in with an opposition to Pluto, which ties July the 30th today, um, which ties in with yesterday, two days ago, okay. Are the societal structures listening to the needs of the people? Um, one of the things I noticed on the news is that the funding for rent and I think wages in the states runs out this weekend and they haven't come to any new negotiations oh not good oh. uh, the moon squares to fiery Mars at 220 today will send them their answer okay so we're likely to see in the news where people are starting to go what's gonna happen shortly after the moon conjoins Jupiter at 5 p.m. what will the news cover and what spin is put on it the real state of structures in power will reveal themselves tonight around 11 p.m. news. The moon conjoins Pluto at 10.57. So for this whole year, every time the moon comes around to Capricorn, it taps into what triggered the whole COVID thing, right? Which was that Saturn-Pluto conjunction in January, right? And just how it kind of blew up in the world. Did the moon conjunct with Pluto in January? No, no. no. Um, what we had was a big conjunction of right, Saturn, Saturn and the Pluto. Yeah. And so every time the moon comes around to Capricorn, mm -hmm. it hits those points it's again. Again, yeah. it, it triggers yeah. them back. Yeah. And so, I mean, the moon's not going to um, make anything else happen, but it's going to reveal where we're at, mm -hmm. right? Because the moon mm -hmm. reflects what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Okay, August the 2nd, Sunday. Overnight, the sun... Uh, squared uh, or squared Uranus at 418 and the Gaia report should show up in the morning. I've been linking Uranus to the planet. Yeah, because it's in Taurus. Meanwhile, late Capricorn moon will conjoin Saturn at 659 a.m. tomorrow morning. Reality for breakfast. <laughs> Not my idea of a good time, but anyway. Okay, <laughs> the moon ingress into Aquarius happens at 11.10 a.m. and the need for community will be on. The moon is quiet for the remainder of the day. Now, the Monday, we have a full moon and the chart is on the website. 
Um, okay, so the full moon falls across the Aquarius-Leo axis. Uh, the long weekend marking half point in our summer holiday season. The asteroid Pandora is conjunct the sun. So what are we going to reveal from what was seeded on July the 20th? That's when the new moon was. Pandora's box? Yeah, so here's a thumbnail of Pandora's myth. Pandora, unable to contain her curiosity, <laughs> and despite explicit instructions to the contrary, and I'm thinking here, okay, people, do not forget your bubble. Do not forget your mask. Mm. Okay, so despite explicit instructions to the contrary, she opened the box that contain, contained all the world's evils, and out they flew. Right at the end, the little spirit of hope flitted out. The only one. <laughs> I had never actually heard the end of that story, mm -hmm. right? So even though people may totally blow this weekend in terms There's of COVID, hope. there is hope. <laughs> Flits out at the end. Uh, we can, yeah. Anyway, that's just to keep us going. Yes, years gone by look so appealing. No worries, be happy. This full moon is at 8:58 a.m. and is presided over by a square from Mars in Aries to Jupiter in Capricorn which is the first of the squares that Mars will make in a series that ends in late November. Jupiter-Mars, will the social structures be able to deal with the needs of the individual? This is a preview of things to come and a chance to possibly see yourself coping in this new world order. Our neighbors to the south will likely demo the extreme version for us. Mm. Yeah, August the 4th, Tuesday, Moon in Aquarius, catches up to Venus with a trine. Our social connections will flow during the day. The moon changes gears at 7.27 p.m. into dreamy Pisces while Mercury moves into Leo. Mm -hmm. Recommended romantic movies, fairy tales, and drive-in theaters. Stay in your car. <laughs> uh, Wednesday, August the 5th. How am I doing? I got four minutes left. Okay. The Pisces moon is quiet all day, then does a sextile to Uranus at 4 p.m. A likely blip on someone's personal radar. Gaia whispers in your ear. Thursday, August the 6th, the Pisces moon takes us. Oh, this one's this one's amazing. The Pisces moon takes us on a deep spiritual dive with a conjunction to Neptune at 11.11 a.m. Oh, isn't that weird? The moment is sandwiched between Jupiter-Pluto sextiles from the moon. For anyone brave enough to do a vision quest today, much would be revealed. What day was is that? That's Thursday the 6th. Okay. I'll yeah, yeah. Jot it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 11, 11 in the morning? Yeah, I know. Do-do-do-do. Okay. okay, Friday, August the 7th. The moon's entrance into Aries at 6.04 a.m. will have some leaping out of bed, dashing to start the day. Meanwhile, Venus makes her long-awaited entrance into Cancer with a sigh. This weekend, I recommend be devoted to self-care in whatever form suits you. The Aries moon con connects to a Leo Mercury. Oh dear, joyful action is in the air, in a bubble, with a mask on. Yikers. <laughs> I just, you know, you try to picture it, right? <laughs> okay, so coming up to my show next week, the moon will be in Aries. It will preside over the happiest day I've seen in a long while. Enjoy a bubble with your mask 
really. Okay, so thank you folks for listening. And you have been listening to CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And I have been your host, Maureen Reed, and I will be back next week. Be kind, keep safe. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.